Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the testimony of Will Loving, a close friend of Paul and the Murdoch family. In this installment, we review the continued debate between the parties over the admissibility of financial crimes as evidence of the defendant's possible motive for the murders of his wife and son. We also look at the testimony of Heidi Galore, an operations lead from Snapchat, who will provide information related to the retrieval of data for the investigation. That's all coming up right after the break. of the uh, witness on redirect as to whether he was aware of certain things that had occurred earlier on June 7th involving uh, Mr. Murdoch or Murdoch. In the questioning, cross-examination of the witness by Mr. Griffin, the witness was asked whether he could think of any reason possible why um, Mr. Uh, Murdoch would commit the crimes he's accused of committing. That, in effect, turned the cross-examination of that witness from uh, dealing with the specific issues in the case to having that witness testify as a character witness for Mr. Murdoch. Among his other areas of inquiry was his being a loving father, great provider, financially secure, things of that nature, all indicating an opinion by that witness as to the good character of the defendant, uh, either through direct statements or circumstantially through the evidence that was adduced from that witness. In the court's view, that opened the door for the state to respond uh, by asking questions, as the state did. Hence, the court overruled the objection. In addition to all of that, the objection was... Uh, totally inappropriate uh, as the court laid out and reviewed with the parties early in the trial that objections should be made and the legal basis stated an objection of totally inappropriate uh, is, in the words of um, Judge Joe Anderson, in effect, no objection at all. That's not a legal basis for an objection. 
But that summarizes the, the basis for the court's ruling on that issue uh, as to those questions yesterday. And that character-type evidence was not only um, sought from Mr. Gibson, but also Mr. Loving. And none of that really implicated uh, Rule uh, 404B. In citing Rule 404B, Judge Newman is addressing the rule cited by the defense as the evidentiary code that should govern this dispute. Rule 404B allows uncharged misconduct or bad acts, in this case, evidence of Alex Murdoch's financial crimes, to be admissible if found relevant to the murder trial. The defense argued that the financial crimes evidence did not meet the requirements of that rule. Judge Clifton Newman is saying that the defense is mistaken and Rule 404B is not the governing rule in this instance. Rather, he says that the defense's team's own actions open the door to such countervailing evidence under two other rules of evidence. The judge continues. Now, one, it opened the door. Number two, it's 404A type um, reputation, uh, questioning that the state had a right to respond to uh, per the rules. And thirdly, it addressed an issue raised in the case by the defense. The defense in the case has primarily been the defendant has such a great character that uh, he could not possibly have committed these offenses. Uh, that's been a general thread from opening statement throughout. Uh, in addition, the, um, the defense introduced through that witness, which was also introduced through uh, other testimony in the case by uh, the defendant that the boating case was a reason for the murders to have occurred. And um, by the defense inquiring of the witness yesterday as to his knowledge and belief concerning or his knowledge concerning the boating case, that likewise opened the door for the state to address that issue. And that's the basis for the court's ruling as to opening the door, introducing the voting case, and reputation type evidence that the state had a right to respond. Under Rule 403, yet to be addressed by the court is Rule 404 issues. And those issues, to some degree, have to be addressed in camera. Judge Newman cites two pieces of evidence as the basis for allowing the questions regarding Alex Murdoch's financial crimes. First, the defense's introduction of evidence of Alex Murdoch's good character, and second, the defendant's own assertion of a possible relationship of the boating accident to the murders. At this point, the judge pauses his assessment of whether other evidence of financial crimes will be admissible, and focuses on the fact that these assessments will have to be made with in-camera testimony. In-camera testimony refers to private sessions held outside the presence of the jury, in this instance, so the judge can assess whether it would be proper for the jury to hear each witness. Since the jury is already here, the judge asks Creighton Waters whether there are any other witnesses available who do not require an in-camera evaluation. Uh, and I'm wondering if the state has other witnesses to testify as to other things since we have the jury here ready to go. Creighton Waters responds that the prosecution does have one witness, a Snapchat custodian, who is ready to testify. However, after that testimony, the judge should proceed with his assessment of the 404 issues by hearing in-camera testimony from a couple of witnesses from Alex Murdoch's law firm. 
This testimony, Waters continues, will help Judge Newman determine the kind of financial crimes evidence that he will allow in this trial. Again, Waters' overarching argument is that Alex Murdoch murdered his wife and son in order to prevent them from giving depositions and various inquiries which might incriminate Alex and in order to create a diversion from Alex's financial misdeeds which were discovered in the weeks leading up to the shootings. Judge Clifton Newman responds by clarifying his interpretation of the various aspects of Rule 404. All right, well, first, as relates to Rule 404, and Rule 404B states that evidence of other crimes or wrongs is not admissible to prove the character of a person in order to show action in conformity therewith. In other words, not admissible to, uh, to show propensity uh, to, to commit the crime or a crime, but it may be admitted for certain other reasons, including motive, identity, intent, and, the, uh, and perhaps the existence of a common scheme or, or plan. My view of the evidence is that uh, evidence of the other alleged crimes can be introduced in this case to show motive, intent, common scheme, or plan, given the proper analysis as it relates to that evidence being offered. As I indicated earlier that the court agrees with the view and as expressed by the court in U.S. v. Siegel, wherein the court uh, addressed the issue of previous alleged crimes involving multiple victims and that the state should be able to pursue its theory of proving the motive for such a tragic occurrence to have taken place on the dates alleged here. And under the federal rule, it goes on to say that evidence of other crimes uh, or bad acts is necessary if it is an essential part of the crimes on trial or where it furnishes part of the context of the crime. Uh, uh, this state has not adopted that portion of Rule 404B, but the courts have addressed that issue in some of the cases, particularly one that stands out to me as one of my cases, State v. Frankie Lee McGee from Richland County, in which the race gestate was used as a basis for the courts properly allowing certain evidence, including evidence of commission of an earlier crime, the test being whether it logically relates to the crime with which the defendant is charged. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. According to the Legal Information Institute at Cornell University, race geste is a Latin term meaning, quote, things done or, quote, things transacted. By using that expression, Judge Newman refers to the events or circumstances at issue in the trial as well as other events that are contemporaneous with or related to those events or circumstances. In that state v. Frankie Lee McGee, court states in that opinion under race geste that one of the accepted bases for the admissibility of the evidence 
of other crimes arises when such evidence furnishes part of the context of the crime or is necessary to a full presentation of the case or is so intimately connected with and explanatory of the crime charged against the defendant and is so much a part of the setting of the case and its environment that its proof is appropriate in order to complete the story of the crime on trial by proving its immediate context or the race just day or the uncharged offense is so linked together in point of time and circumstances with the crime charge that one cannot be fully shown without proving the other and thus is part of the race just day of the crime charged and where evidence is admissible to prove this full presentation of the offense there is no reason to fragmentize the events under inquiry by suppressing parts of the race just day. And interestingly, involved in that case, the court held that that did not require a, a 403 analysis because the evidence was properly admitted as part of the race just day. The issue of whether or not a 404B analysis was done was not necessary. Or, uh, and at this point, the court hasn't to address any particular issue under 404B, but I find that it is admissible, provided that the proper scrutiny is done in relation to clear and convincing evidence and logical relationship to the offense for which we have, we're having this trial. And additionally, uh, as relates to intent, evidence tending to prove a defendant's state of mind or intent at or near the time the crime of the crime is relevant to establish possible guilt. So there are many uh, areas under which it's appropriate for the court to uh, consider admitting this evidence of, of other crimes, other bad acts, in a manner that does not uh, address or seek to have the jury conclude that it's propensity evidence, and the court will uh, address all of that as we proceed. Defense attorney Jim Griffin rises and begins by responding to Judge Newman's assessment that the defense had opened the door to financial malfeasance evidence by introducing testimony of Alex Murdoch's good character. I just want to get some arguments on the record. Purposely. Yes, um, as, as to your honor's conclusion that we opened the door by presenting evidence of good character, I would respectfully disagree, and the evidence that we presented was specifically limited to the relationship between the defendant and the victim for which he's accused of murdering. In our view, that is not character witness. That's factual issue relating to the relationship between the parties. And so that, I just want to put that on the record. Your Honor, it puts great um, emphasis and reliance on, on U.S. v. Siegel, and uh, that's a federal case, and I, and I just want, and I want to point out that yes federal second uh the federal side is 536 f3 f third yes yes sir and the um and it's important to to distinguish the federal crimes for which the defendant in siegel was charged with first he the defendant she was charged with murdering the victim to prevent him from reporting fraud and that's a specific federal statute 18 usc 1512 a1c also charged with impending an official investigation by transporting the defendant i mean the deceased body across state lines but further the indictment alleged a broader scheme and artifice to defraud and in the indictment it listed many of the prior 
of crimes that the defendant committed in, in the federal indictment. And so, and under federal rule 404B, you can prove those up. And then there were others that the court considered they were related to the whole scheme and artifice to defraud. The indictment in this case, Your Honor, is, is simply on, a, on June 7, 2021, the defendant with malice of forethought murdered Ms. Maggie Murdoch, murdered Mr. Paul Murdoch, and used violent weapons in commission of, of those two crimes. There's no scheme and artifice to defraud here. You're currently addressing it as if the court ruled based on 404. And the court clearly stated that we have not reached any termination on 404, that the basis of the court's ruling was 403. The boating case, as you introduced through the witness and opening the door by giving testimony, soliciting testimony of generally good character of the defendant, such that neither of the two witnesses could possibly imagine the scenario under which what would cause this crime to to have occurred, and the state is entitled to um, confront that evidence in the manner in which the court ruled. But you're arguing 404. I, I cited that for an additional basis to say the court will need to look at all of that as we proceed with evidence of prior bad acts, but the basis of the court's ruling was not 404, but 403, opening the door and uh, responding uh, to the evidence that you had Yes, hearing outside the presence of the jury on their proposed 404B evidence? Yes, sir. Okay. Then I can save all the arguments from then. Thank you. Yes, sir. And again, with regard to planning purposes for the jury, you have, you said, a, a witness. Whatever can be done without getting into the 404 or the court's need for an in-camera hearing where we have need to dismiss the jury for whatever period of time that might be, uh, we can press on with what you have otherwise at this time, and whatever that is, is what we'll hear. With Judge Newman postponing his assessment of the financial crimes evidence until after he hears testimony from those witnesses in camera, the prosecution moves ahead with the Snapchat custodian, whose testimony for the jury can proceed without objection. The state calls Heidi Galore to the stand. Miss Galore wears a black dress shirt and jeans and has short black hair and glasses. Prosecutor John Conrad begins his direct examination by asking the witness about her duties at Snapchat. Good morning. Miss Galore, where do you work? Good morning. I work for Snap Incorporated. What are your duties there? I'm an operation, a law enforcement operations lead, so I. Um, assist with and help manage a team of folks who respond to law enforcement legal process. Uh, our team uh, responds to legal process submitted to our uh, company, subpoenas, search warrants, that kind of thing. All right. So you're in charge of responding to search warrants or subpoenas from law enforcement or other legal entities? Correct. Prompted by Prosecutor Conrad's next series of questions, Ms. Galore explains to the jury what Snapchat is, a social media photo and video sharing app, and explains that the company keeps basic subscriber information about the content that was sent and received on the platform, including IP logs and geolocation. Conrad then places a CD and a piece of paper in front of the witness and asks her what the items are. Um, the paper here, is the uh, basic subscriber information for the user that was produced in the search warrant. And what's, what's that CD? Uh, the CD contains the full production of files that was um, sent to your agency uh, requested from the search warrant. All right, and that was a, a search warrant uh, from SLED? Yes. That Snapchat responded to? Correct. 
Uh, and you said there was subscriber information on that piece of paper, correct? Yes. And is that uh, also located on the CD and the digital record? Yes, yes. Judge Clifton Newman admits the items into evidence. And you said you indicated that was uh, subscriber information, is that correct? Correct. Uh, and uh, can you read for the jury the subscriber information for the information on the account that you provided uh, to in response to the search warrant? Prompted by Prosecutor Conrad's questions, Heidi Galore then describes some of Paul Murdoch's user information, including his username, email address, and phone number. And when somebody uses a telephone number, for example, to create a Snapchat account, does Snapchat verify that number? Uh, if the user wants to verify the phone number, yes, they can, but it's uh, it's not um, it's not required. And what about the email? Is that required? Not required either, no. Prosecutor Conrad hands Galore another CD and asks her if she recognizes it. Yes, I do. Have you reviewed the contents of that CD? Yes, I have. And what is on the contents of that CD? It's a video of um, a subject near a tree, and it's um, a short video with some audio. Okay, and did that video, uh, was that part of the full search warrant return uh, that we just talked about? Yes. All right, and did you take a look at that video? Uh, and the records contained in, in the, the other CD to determine when that video was first uploaded and first sent? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, first of all, let's talk about uh, the upload. Was it uploaded to something called Memories? Yes. And can you describe to the jury what, what is Memories? What is that function with uh, Snapchat? Uh, memories is kind of like a bucket where you can save your uh, data. You can either create a video or some sort of photo on the app itself and save it to your memory so that it's always there um, when you need it. Or you can upload from your camera, your phone, um, into memories uh, to then send to, to, to folks later or just have it in there. So is that a form of uh, saving, like some, saving something in the cloud? Correct, yes. It'll be on the server. All right. And in reviewing these records, did you determine when this account uploaded that particular video? To memories? Yes. Uh, this this video was first seen on memories um, on June 7th, 2021, at um, 7.39 hours okay. Eastern. And did the Snapchat also keep a record when an individual sends out uh, a communication? Yes. Uh, and did you determine reviewing the records whether that account sent out that particular video? Yes. It was sent on the same day, June 7th, 2021, at 7.56 hours Eastern time. Conrad displays on a monitor in front of Galore the same video that was shown to Will Loving on the previous day, which shows the defendant Alex Murdoch standing next to a tree wearing an untucked powder blue Oxford shirt, a pair of khaki pants, and brown loafers. Can you see the uh, uh, what's on your screen right now? Yes. All right. Okay. And do you recognize that video, ma'am? Yes, I do. All right. And is that video, uh, the video we just discussed, that was part of the Snapchat search warrant return? Yes. That, uh, that you just testified was uh, uploaded at 7.39 p.m. and sent at 7.56 p.m.? Yes. No further questions. With that, John Conrad returns to the prosecution table and Philip Barber rises for the defense. Barber pulls up the video again and pauses it for galore. So this is what, or part of what Snapchat gave to the state on July 6th is that, of 2021. Is that correct? Correct. So they, the state had this on July 6, 2021, in the state's possession. I believe so, yes. This information. And you testified that this was uploaded at 7.39 p.m. on uh, the 7th of June. Right? Correct. Um, is that exactly when this video was shot? I can't tell that information from the from the production. 
Are you certain that's not something that could be tilled from the, uh, perhaps the metadata for the video file? Uh, there was no metadata produced for this, uh, for this production. It wasn't requested, so it wasn't produced. So if someone were to right-click on this video file and, and, you know, where it has various metadata that pops up in the screen, could we see a media-created date? Um, I, I don't know. Philip Barber displays some of the metadata for the file on the screen for Galore. Yes. Uh, does it say uh, June the 7th, 2021 at 7.38? Yes. And so this, this was shot basically a minute before it was uploaded, is that correct? It appears so, yeah. And I'm sorry if that seems picky, but in this case, you know, every minute and every second you know, can matter. Does uh, Snapchat keep a list of, and I might be getting the terminology wrong, friends or contacts that Paul would have had on Snapchat? Yes. Or was that list produced? No. And why was that list not produced? It wasn't requested in this case. Uh, you mentioned earlier geolocation data. Um, was mm -hmm. that produced? No, not in this case. And why was that not produced? I don't believe it was requested. Is it possible for some or all of Paul's friends to have access to his location through the app? Um, yes, if his settings were, uh, yeah, if he, if he made his settings visible, his geolocation visible to his friends, yes. Um, and would that information about that was, um, uh, that setting was in place to allow that, is that something that Snapchat would have had available to produce? Uh, I'm not sure if this, if, I'm not sure about that, if, if we can see that it's actually turned on or off. And was that requested? No. No further questions? By the state. No, no, it was here. Thank you. Thank you. Step down. And with the conclusion of Ms. Galore's testimony, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty. Please join us on our next installment as we begin our look at the first on-camera witness testimony outside the presence of the jury to determine whether evidence of Alex Murdoch's financial crimes will be admissible in this murder trial. Also, check out the Crime Story Podcast Night Raid wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.